While they were talking, a glittering golden object at the foot of the rose pergola caught Xiang Yun's eye. She pointed it out to Kingfisher. It was a beautiful, shining gold chilean, both larger and more ornate than the one she was wearing. Reaching out and taking it from Kingfisher, she held it on the palm of her hand and contemplated it for some moments in silence. Their reverie, inspired by contemplation of the chilean, was broken by the sudden arrival of Bao Yu. special a special guest to the garden um i feel like we really get a this is our first real um a deeper dive into her character by way of a review uh she's she's noted for her like uh kind of she's younger and she has a bit of a speech impediment yeah, yeah she has like a slight in the hawks is rendered as a lisp but i think in the chinese it's um just not quite being able to distinguish certain similar sounding characters, I think, in Chinese. So I think she mixes okay. up like uh, I and R, um, for example. Um, and that's sometimes alluded to in the still in the Hawks, although I haven't seen any more examples of it in the Chinese. We kind of learn a lot of about her character uh, in this chapter. Um, one of the first kind of... Um, amusing details that's mentioned is that she's just wearing a lot of clothing um and this is viewed as maybe a a kind of tomboyish or uh, masculine um characteristic um especially given maybe the uh you know the summer heat that we've been uh, emphasizing it's at this point that bao chai uh, kind of recalls a story in which um, it happened last year. It was in the third or fourth month of last year. And she actually, she dressed herself up in Bao Yu's clothing and was able to um, basically deceive uh, Grandmother Jia into believing it was Bao Yu. Um, and this had apparently had caused uh, quite a uh, response from everyone uh, in attendance. Yeah, it was only the earrings that she was wearing that gave her away. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, and we hear that uh, again when when it snowed, uh, maybe earlier that year. She was making a um, she was making a snowman, um, and while making a snowman, she slipped and fell and got covered in mud. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, we we get the idea that she is quite tomboyish. She sort of doesn't completely. Uh, adhere to all of the expected conventions of uh -huh. feminine femininity uh, in behavior and dress. And I think when she slipped and fell, 
the idea was she'd also um, she had taken uh, kind of a a raincoat of of grandmother Jia, and so she she sort of um, borrowed, let's say, grandmother Jia's raincoat, but then fell and made a mess out of it. Yeah, I think it got tangled up in her legs, maybe, and <laughs> tripped and fell on it. Um... And so maybe maybe that's that could be partly accounted. Um, to just a youthful sort of you know like joy in in like role playing and, and like assuming different roles uh but it could also be maybe attributed to um a kind of like a tomboy uh personality we hear um something else quite i guess revealing about her personality from ying chun who says you know i, I might just read from the hawks I do wish she wasn't such a chatterbox. You wouldn't believe it. Even when she's in bed at night, it still goes on. Jabba, 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 jabba. Then she laughs. Then she talks a bit more. Then she laughs again. And you never heard such a lot of rubbish in your life. I don't know where she gets it all from. <laughs> so you can... Uh, we all know... I mean, I'm sure we can all remember people like that. You know, yeah, yeah. Particularly from childhood. Uh -huh. Talking 100 miles an hour. And when they're not talking, they're laughing. And... Mm -hmm. <laughs> None of it making a, a lick of sense, uh, and you feel that Ying Chun, Ying Chun is maybe playing the role there of like slightly older and rather kind of tolerant uh, cousin, you know, who who kind of gets lumped with the maybe slightly annoying younger younger relatives, and they have to put up with all their nonsense. Yeah, I wonder if nowadays maybe she'd be like uh, diagnosed as. Shushang Yun, that is. Like attention deficit. Yeah, maybe, like ADHD or something. Mm. Um, but it's it's all, all these stories are told, uh, you know, affectionately. Um, and it's very clear that um, everyone is highly affectionate toward her. Um, maybe on account of her, she, she's slightly younger, I, I think. And, and so it, yeah. I think the whole group of them kind of take on sort of more uh, like a paternal attitude. Yeah, they kind of dote on her a bit, don't yeah. they? As the younger. Yeah, that's a good way to say it. There is um the the conversation I think then takes like a slightly serious turn and we see this repeated in the coming passage. Um that basically it's all well and good Xiang Yun being uh tomboyish, but she will need to shed that because she has now been betrothed. Uh no. Maybe that's wrong. There's certainly talk of betrothal. Right, here. yeah. There's, she hasn't yet been betrothed, but there's talk of her being paired up with someone. Um, and um, and we see also further down the, further down the page that um, both Grandmother Jia and Lady Wang say that now all of the these kids are kind of growing up. They need to stop using these kind of more familiar baby names with each other and start addressing one another as, as adults. Right, right. Uh, which is interesting. Uh, it's, it's almost as if after a certain point, you have to like uh, eschew personal names and use relativistic names. You relatively, you know, like to, you know, if you're the, it almost yeah. reminds me of our discussion of, we, we never learned the name of Joe Ray's wife. Yeah, um, <laughs> we still haven't had right, and, and so like, I guess you grow up and you lose your personal name. You, you become kind of uh, relativized, in a way. Yeah, your identity is tied to who you are, you know, with respect to 
other members of your family or your your spouse or 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 whoever anyway we learn that um one of the people that xiang yun is most excited to see is bao yu mm -hmm. right yes yeah they have a good rapport uh maybe because he is a bit immature himself and also um he's not exactly that masculine uh, and so maybe her kind of um, tomboyishness and his kind of effeminate uh, characteristics creates a kind of harmony. Yeah, exactly. He's girlish and she's boyish. Um, so we hear we hear that Xiang Yun has bought some gifts. Yeah. Maids. Um, and these are little rings, four of them. Um, one for Aroma, one for Faithful one for mm -hmm. golden and one for patience um and she ha we we learned she had actually just sent some rounds a few days previously for members of the of the the master class as it were members of the household um and so Dayu asks like why didn't she just send these other ones around the same way why did she why was she so silly and brought them herself um <laughs> but Xiang Yun explains why she has done it this way and kind of um she in fact makes Dayu look slightly foolish i suppose so she says that the ones she sent around the other day were from for members of the 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 master class who it's much more easy for a, a messenger to identify but if they're for servants you know there are lots of different servants with all similar kind of confusing names um so for example i mean she mentions uh faithful faithful is um yuanyang which is literally like mm -hmm. a kind of mandarin duck um, um and there as we've seen there are lots of different servants named after different kinds of birds so if you if you get your <laughs> birds mixed up you could give the ring to the wrong servant uh -huh. kind of thing. yeah and so she says you know that's why and that's why i brought them myself instead um and everyone recognizes this was quite a clever approach um and I think Dayu feels rather put out by the whole thing. Oh, you think? <laughs> I I interpreted uh, everyone's response as this is this being another instance of her being extremely talkative, because uh, the actual description that she gives it's one of the longer paragraphs in the chapter <laughs> yeah. um, of this kind of this like pretty like complex reasoning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there there is this weird tension that I, I don't completely understand. Um, Maybe this this is can be chalked up to Dayu's kind of uh, like petty jealousy, um, but but Dayu is, is very much uh, resentful of Bao Yu's doting on Shishangyun and his, um, his his eagerness to give her the uh, the gold chilin that he was gifted by um, at the the Taoist. Uh, temple where they they saw the plays yeah a couple of chapters uh, in the previous chapters ago yeah. um and so she was it's it's it appears again here that you know she uh so so Dayu's remark here is um after her like like her rather clever explanation for why she she had to bring the rings in person everyone is very amused um but then Dayu makes a remark you know if she weren't so eloquent she wouldn't be worthy of the gold chilling. Uh, and then she kind of uh, 
walks off in a huff. Mm. Um, and I didn't completely understand what the what the what the issue is here, but it, it's clearly there, there. There is this kind of resentment there, and, and Bao Chai recognizes it, and she tries to mitigate the the after effects. Yeah, she tries to kind of laugh it off. <laughs> um, uh, there's nobody mentions the fact that one of the rings is for Golden, and Golden was of course unceremoniously dismissed in the previous chapter. Right, um, right. Everyone just, I think, just brushes over that. Yeah, um, I, I think that was intentional. It was a kind of um, a way to to remind the reader that, uh, like, below the surface, there there are these like real issues waiting to uh, resurface at any moment. So, eventually, everyone drifts off, including Xiang Yun, and she pays a quick visit to. Wang Xifeng, and also goes to pay a visit to Li Wan, mm -hmm. so the older sister-in-law of mm -hmm. Bao Yu, um, the the widow of his older brother. Um, and then Xiang Yun goes for a stroll in the garden with just one maid, a mm -hmm. kingfisher, uh, Cui Lu. Um, so we've looked at this Cui before, it's like jade green, like green jade coloured. Um, but it can also be the word for for a kingfisher bird. Uh, and then Lu is like a kind of delicate thread, something like that. So she could be a, a jade-colored delicate thread, but Hawks has chosen kingfisher as her name, and, and so I guess we we kind of stick with that. Um, I, I guess a, a kingfisher is itself kind of that color, right? Mm, yeah. So they, they go off uh, um, wandering around the garden, and... Um, and they get into a discussion about the nature of things, uh, and particularly the um, yin-yang right. nature of things. Um, <clears throat> it originally starts because they're looking at the water lilies in the pond and the pomegranate tree uh, and the flowers on the pomegranate tree. Um, and Kingfisher observes that the water lilies at their home are double-deckers, which is to say it kind of puts forth one flower and then the stalk continues higher up and another flower comes out higher up and there's a similar thing with the pomegranate tree here and um xiang yun explains that you know just like people if if plants have a healthy constitution then they grow better and kingfisher says oh well if that's the case then why don't you have the same double decker thing with with humans why don't you have a head and then a neck coming out the top of your head and another head on top of that sort of thing. Um, Good question. It's a perfectly perfectly reasonable question to ask. <laughs> this this whole dialogue reminds me a bit like it. It's a bit like a Socratic dialogue. Um, <laughs> Isn't right? it just? Yeah. <laughs> it's so like that. <laughs> and actually, I really respect Kingfisher's almost like scientific materialist skepticism toward the whole conversation. And so how does... Xiang Yun illustrate the the existence of yin yang. What examples does she give to show, like how yin yang works? And, and actually, she she criticizes Kingfisher for talking too much, which is a kind of a, an extremely ironic comment. <laughs> and then she kind of like she launches into this kind of like speech, basically. Uh, and and so the, the basic principle. This is good. So now we can we've been developing our own sort of 
understanding of, of yin yang and wuxing systems, uh, the five phases. So according to, so yin yang, according to uh, Shishang Yun is as follows. Everything in the world is molded by the forces of yin and yang. Uh, that means that besides the normal, the abnormal, the peculiar, the freakish, in fact, all the different variations we find in things are all caused by different combinations of yin and yang. And so then there's a kind of, uh, the, the dialogue continues and uh, Kingfisher is trying to like uh, kind of um, explore its, um, its like uh, dialectical implications. I guess like Kingfisher is asking whether all these yin's and yang's are kind of like atomic parts you know, and you just, you sort of like, you bring them all together and, and you have a certain a combination and like a different, a different um, material entity or something. It's very scientific. Pro, let's say proto-scientific. Yeah. She's like, so yeah, she's saying, so is everything a bit of column A and a bit of column B in different combinations? And so, uh, uh Xiang Yun like laughs at her and she's like, don't be ridiculous. <laughs> uh, she's proposing instead like a, uh, like a like a like she's saying like yin and yang are like they're almost like two sides of the same thing exactly yeah two different sides of the same coin let's say right mm -hmm. uh, and so when when one is exhausted it becomes the other mm -hmm. and vice versa and that that actually is i think a faithful rendering of certain elements of this of this system and you, and you can see then how how it relates to the phases where it's not as if um, you, you transition through the phases as and there's kind of like the different um, yeah as one thing uh, dies away another thing grows kind of out of the ashes. Yeah, I think I, I agree that, that this sort of fits into that, doesn't it? Um, so I mean, she explains, Xiang Yun explains, you know, the sky is yang and the earth is yin, water is yin and fire is yang, the sun is yang and the moon is yin. Um, <laughs> and so Kingfisher says, okay, but what about mosquitoes and fleas and midges and plants and flowers and bricks and tiles are they all yin and yang as well and xiang yun says of course you know the the leaf the 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 side of the leaf that faces upwards that's that's yang and the side of the leaf that faces downwards that's yin <laughs> and so looking around for more objects she says okay well what about the the chilin that you wear around your neck has that also got a, a yin and a yang and yeah, Xiang Yun says, yes, of course, you know, all birds and beasts, the male is yang and the female is yin. And so, as we said, I think last time, a qi lin is really qi and lin, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah. is is qi the, main, the male part and lin is the female yes, part? Yes, I believe. Um, and then I think the conversation takes a kind of interesting turn. She says, okay, well then, if everything has yin and yang, like what about you and me why don't we have yin and yang um and xiang yun laughs this off she says get along with you naughty girl what subject will you get onto next and so there's a lot of kind of giggling here um and kingfisher basically responds what why can't you tell me anyway i think i you know she thinks she knows anyway and xiang yun giggles and kingfisher says you're yang and i'm yin and for Xiang Yun, she actually has to cover her mouth with a handkerchief. She's kind of, you know, laughing so uh, intensely at this, I suppose. She's kind of giggling so hard. 
um and you know kingfisher says isn't that right you know and and xiang yun says yes yeah that's that's quite right and so it's only kind of alluded to here but there's a suggestion that uh xiang yun and kingfisher are themselves lovers uh, i think you and i both got the same impression from this passage right yeah yeah it, it seems um suggestive flirtatious you know, Kingfisher goes on and she says, you know, the, the master is young and the servant is in. And so that is also the basis that that would be another way to interpret um, their uh, their dynamic. Right. And, and so, yeah, on, on the face of it, I would agree. But the thing is, because the whole conversation is so wrapped up in kind of uh, giggling and a, a sense of like stepping on slightly forbidden ground mm. um i think that that's uh there's definitely a, a, like a, another dimension to it yes. than just the question of the relationship between servant and master yeah I, I agree totally yeah i know we've talked before about how the book is quite frank in its depiction of male male homosexuality but has it doesn't like certainly at, at no point before this i don't think has there been any like suggestion or even really recognition of um female female like homosexuality between women i suppose um i think this is probably the first instance of it as far as i'm aware that's a good point right and maybe that is itself a kind of a cultural uh factor right where like uh maybe like uh female homosexuality is more contentious it's more potentially disruptive or viewed as such than than male homosexuality. I I, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. Because you're kind of kind of saying men are just kind of not necessary at all, um, which is yeah, very very kind of controversial, very perceived as threatening. I think maybe yeah. Um, I I don't know. I feel like I I need I feel the need to say that it's not simply that Xiang Yun is tomboyish, and we're going oh you know the boyish girl is obviously a lesbian. Right. Um, right there does seem to be in this scene like a certain dynamic operating between them that yeah very much suggests that there's more to their relationship than just that of servant and master right and i mean it's not difficult to it's not exactly improbable given that we know that Yu, for example is sleeping with aroma and in all likelihood there's similar relationships between other servants and masters yeah yeah um and especially because this kind of that's been the 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 tension sort of since the beginning of this novel that uh on one hand this is a hierarchical relationship which from some perspectives sort of precludes the possibility for intimacy but from other perspectives it's actually like an intense it's a more intense form of intimacy and so it's kind of like uh yeah it's a it's, it's an interesting dynamic and it's hard to to grasp conceptually almost mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so i guess it's at this moment that they uh discover actually uh shang yun discovers it a uh a chili which we can which we like uh can pretty quickly uh guess is uh something that bao yu has dropped by accident and it's just in the at the foot of the rose pergola which we saw in the last chapter so that was where, where Bayou was spying on this actress um, while she was carving this thing in the, in the earth. 
And so maybe that was when he would have dropped it. Right. Um, um, I guess that would have been the last time he was there. I wonder if there's any symbolic uh, significance to that. So he was he was so caught up in this this like scene with the maid and the 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 the, the torrent of rain uh, that he sort of um, I don't know. It 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 seems kind of like uh, symbolically significant, but I'm not sure exactly how to analyze it. It does. Um, it it does. I'm not sure exactly what to make of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, especially because they, they just finished the discussion of um, of of Yin Yang, and here we have this the symbol which is associated with uh, Xiang Yun, and she finds it uh, at that very moment. Uh, anyway, they take it up and have a look. And she sees it's larger and more ornate than the one she was wearing. Um, she's very kind of captivated by it and stares at it for a while. And, and eventually they're interrupted by none other than Bao Yu, who says, what are you doing out here, you know, in the blazing sun? Aren't you going to go and see Aroma? Isn't that what you've come for? So they, they go off to see her. They have a, you know, kind of like a kind of touchingly intimate greeting, I think. You know, he, Aroma sees her coming. She stands up, hurries down to 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 welcome her, and takes her by the hand to lead her into the house. Mm-hmm. Um, and it says in the in the hawks animatedly exchanging news with her as they went. So you can imagine holding hands and, and chattering and and, and walking. Uh huh. Um, and this is when Balu says, "Oh, I've got this present to give to you. You know that I've been holding on to." Um, and that's when he looks through his pockets and realizes it's lost. Right, so in a sense, she uh, reveals to him his present for her, which is, I guess, another instance of Bao Yu like, uh, like fumbling, the gift giving process. But this time, it's like literally uh, fumbling. Yeah. But uh, I guess it works out. Um, and of course, yeah, the chilin that he lost and the one that she found are one and the same object. And that's basically the end of the chapter. So any kind of like, yeah. what what are your final? Uh, any final thoughts? What do you think? I think it's interesting because there's, um, I don't know, so many kind of f- fateful moments in the book. Uh, and there are so many potentially entwined threads of fate, I suppose. So one thing we touched on is Dayu's feeling of jealousy towards uh, Xiang Yun and her relationship with mm-hmm. Bao Yu. And if you were of a kind of fateful uh, bent, you might think, uh, the fact that she has this chilin of her own and he was planning to give her one mm-hmm. and he dropped it and she found it. There's a fatefulness to that, definitely. You know, there's a a sense of some larger force okay. trying to bring them together. Uh, and, you know, separately we saw that there was the, you know, Balyu's own jade with the inscription on it and Balchai's own golden locket with a separate matching inscription and and how that itself is also a, there's a kind of faithfulness to it as well. I wonder if, um, I wonder if the author wasn't sure actually where, where he wanted the story to end up, and um, you know, planned multiple different sort of threads, or or what exactly? You mentioned something that I, I should have mentioned earlier that part of the resentment toward Shushang Yun, you know, part of Dai Yu's resentment toward her, is probably t- tied up in her having this golden ornament associated with her right because it, it probably seems to her similar to uh the situation with Bao Chai, 
you know, in in her kind of uh, tendency to exaggerate, you know, the, the state of affairs. She, you can imagine Dayu uh, thinking, well, everyone has a golden ornament, you know, except her. You know, so ba- uh, Bao Chai's got the locket, and yeah. Shishang Yun's got the gold chili. And, and what does she have? She only has a name, you know, that's associated with Jade. It doesn't seem as material, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe, I guess, maybe the thing is, is that what's different about their relationship is it isn't predicated on, like, the fate of simple objects, but on some greater, like, more cosmic kind of um, f- fateful... Well, I guess they don't need Baoyu and Daiyu don't need to have matching lockets or, or ornaments or something because the the fate that brings them together is so much so much greater. It's so much more significant that it almost doesn't need like a physical manifestation. That's what Baoyu should say when prompted next the next time by Daiyu about this issue. Mm-hmm. Um, how about we uh, we end it there for today? Yeah, sure, sure. Um, we'll pick up in, again next time with a very ominously titled chapter. Balyu demonstrates confusion of mind by making his declaration to the wrong person. And Golan shows an unconquerable spirit by ending her humiliation in death. So, this has been another installation of Rereading the Stone. Uh, as always, uh, get in contact with us. Uh, we love comments, feedback, uh, critique. Uh, we're out, we're on Twitter at Rereading Stone, and we have a Facebook page, Facebook.com/slash Rereading the Stone. So until next time, uh, bye bye. Bye bye.